This is the Birth Village Podcast. Welcome to the Birth Village Podcast. I am Morgan Brower and happy National Breastfeeding Awareness Month, you guys. Today, I am joined by Emily Preston, who is a birth doula in our Southern Utah birth village. And she is going to, we wanted to meet her. We wanted to introduce her to you guys, but she's also going to tell us about her breastfeeding journey because it was kind of a big deal for her and pretty impactful. And we thought that it would be a good story to share and a great person to meet and just all of these things. So... Emily, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Emily was in our one of our doula panels at the, the birth expo just barely, so some of you may have seen her there, um, but also if you wanted to check out her like Instagram, it's Blissful Embrace Doula. Um, I heard from some people that they like to know who, like see who they're, who we're talking to before we get all the way to the end of the episode. So there's that. Um, And let's get to know you a little bit, Emily. Will you tell me a little bit about your background, like your personal background? So I I have three little boys. They are eight, 10, eight, and five. Um, And they're a rambunctious bunch. (laughs) Yeah. So... They're fun to have, but, um, so yeah, I have three little boys. I actually live up in enterprise and a lot of my clients wonder if that's too far away, but yeah, it's 45 minutes. So, okay. and I, most of my clients are in St. George and so that's fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of driving, but I'm sure but, you're used to it a little bit. Yeah. Well, and I grew up up there and so it's just normal for me to drive that far. I get that. Know? So, yeah. um, my husband and I have been married for nine years and he's from up there too. So it's just our life. And we have a little homestead. Oh, um, we've got a couple of cows and some sheep and a whole bunch of chickens. Um, I love that. And it's a lot of fun. Um, I actually growing up, uh, was raised in a very holistic family. My mom, there's nine of us in my family and Woo. my mom had all of us at home. Okay, all of you? All of us at home. Right from the beginning. Uh, yep, every single one of us. Um, my grandma, my mom's my mom's grandma, so my great-grandma, uh-huh. was actually a midwife. Cool. Um, up in uh, the middle part of the state, like in Emory County. Okay. And then she practiced in Salt Lake, too. But she died when my mom was, the year before my mom was born, so she didn't know okay. her. But okay. Um, so I do have a little bit of a background there. A little bit of a, a legacy, bit, kind if of, you will. Kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So my mom, so we had lots of home birth in my family. And so I felt like I was a shoo-in for home birth. Sure. All my sisters had all their babies at home. Okay. And my oldest son is actually the only hospital birth of all of my siblings. Whoa. Okay. So it's kind of a huge part of my story. Um, is the, the hospital birth that you had with your son or just the whole thing, the home, home birth thing, thing, all of it. Okay. okay. (laughs) So, 
um, when I was pregnant, when I was first pregnant, I had considered maybe going the traditional medicine route, okay. going with an OB. I had gone in and had an ultrasound at like nine weeks. And let me stop you here. Before you got pregnant with your first son, did you think that you would go to the hospital already? Or were you like thinking you'd do the home birth, like all your sisters and your mom and all your everybody? I just planned to be, yeah, it was just going to be a home birth. Like that was, that was how it was. We were not, I was not planning to go to the hospital, but I did feel a little bit of pressure. My husband was like, well, that's not what I know. Okay. Okay. So So early on in pregnancy, you're like, okay, yeah, maybe we will go, you know, like, okay, I don't have to do it like my sisters, you know, I don't have to do it like my mom and it's okay if I go to the hospital. Yeah. It's Um, still birth. It's still, it's no big deal. And it's not. Um, but then sometime in my first trimester, I was like, no, I'm going to be at home. So we started, I started going to a home birth midwife. Uh Um, she's not part of our birth village and she's actually retired now. Um, but she was an unlicensed midwife or lay midwife Uh and she was absolutely amazing. Like, Hands down, I think she's delivered like 25 kids in my family between Whoa. cousins and siblings. <laughs> That's amazing. So, I mean, huge with her too. Yeah. Um, she was exceptional. So I started seeing her. Um, we got through pregnancy. Um, so at the end of pregnancy, I was 38 and two days and labor started. So. Okay. I was at home, laboring at home. It was totally good. Everything yeah. was great. Um, and then I hit the 24-hour mark. Okay. And I was at a two. Oh. And so there was like zero, almost zero progression. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember if she had even checked me before, say, 8 p.m. Okay. And so she checked me, and then at about midnight, she checked again. And I was laboring hard. I mean. Really? Three minutes apart. It was... It was a rough, it was really rough. And she checked me again and I was still at a two. And at that point she was like, let's, let's transfer. Uh-huh. You're, you're exhausted. We don't need a distressed baby. Yeah. Um, so I did opt to go to the hospital and ended up with an epidural, which was fine for about 15 minutes until I became hypotensive. Oh no. So my heart rate dropped. Um, they actually dropped the bed onto the floor. Like it fell off of the frame when they dropped it, it was Ooh. like the, I don't know if there's like an emergency yeah, floor sure. thing or something, but it fell and hit the ground. And I remember laying there and thinking, okay, I didn't want to be in the hospital in the first place. Yeah. I do not want a cesarean. And not that it's a bad thing to have a cesarean. It's just not what you wanted. But it's not what I wanted. And I don't know if I could have been okay emotionally. Yeah. If that was the story. And I probably would have gotten there, but, uh, at least it would have been hard it to, been to hard get to me. that place where it was okay. Now, was the thing that you were, sorry, I can't remember the word that you said. Hypotensive. Yes. My blood pressure tanked. So and it And was that a complication of the epidural, yes. do you think? Okay. Yes. One I was not aware of until much later when I became a doula. Okay. And my training a lot of my training started making things very clear about my own experience. Mm. And I wish that I had had that knowledge at the, you know, ahead of time. Sure. But 10 years ago, we were doing the best many doulas in this area. No, we didn't. And I had excellent support from my people, but in this situation, it was, 
just kind of out of their realm, you know, because yeah. we were homes, home birth people. Yeah. We, they're not no familiar one, with all of it's very different in the hospital than it is at home. Yeah. So, um, I did recover. I did not need a cesarean. I, I don't know. I, I believe that I was so determined in my mind that I was like, body, you're going to figure this out right now. <laughs> and, and I did. And, <laughs> and he was born at 1033 in the morning. So I, we got to the hospital about 3am. And so I labored for about seven hours. Okay. Um, and he was born and he was perfect. His nose was squished. He was stuck on my pelvis. <laughs> I pushed for two and a half hours and his, Girl. His nose, it was a, it was crazy. It was wild. I I like think about my first birth and the first births I've been to for other women. And I'm like, I wish it had been like that. You're, you're lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's part of my story. And And that's a really good part of your story because it can, it can give you a lot of empathy and understanding for clients who are experiencing something different than what you, if you hadn't have had that experience and you would have been in home birth land, like Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have been able to know very much about. No, it does help a lot to be able to, yeah, to have that experience and to, and to use that so that my clients can understand. I like you say just empathy. Yeah. It is empathy. Yeah. Um, so that was my first experience in that hospital birth though. I had the doctor, it was just an on-call doctor because I didn't have anybody. I was also on IV antibiotics because I did not have a test result for a group B strep. Okay. Um, I did not know at the time that I could have declined the antibiotics. Mm, Okay. That was not something I knew that I could do. Um, but my body does not do well with antibiotics, any antibiotic. So, um, so I was fine at birth and my baby, I don't fine. He that was, word is like, we're fine. He was okay. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, he's a really sweet boy today. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. he's great. 10 years later. But, fine. um, I, yeah. So, so keep that in mind. I did have two bags of, or three bags of IV antibiotics the and whole time. Did I was you in labor. have Pitocin? I did not have Pitocin. I had had such a strong labor pattern when I got to the hospital that when they set the epidural, it just slowed my body down. And then I, and then I, my body proceeded to just labor. Okay. So I dilated great. Um, and once baby was out, um, he did have his cord wrapped twice around his neck. Mm-hmm. Of course, doctors, midwives, everybody just checks and yeah, they pop just that handle it off and it's okay. <laughs> um, but the doctor, the OB that was on call, made a comment to my husband about a honeymoon stitch. So Ew, I'm he, so bugged right now. Okay. Explain what that means to anybody who doesn't know. A honeymoon stitch um, is when they go in and set a stitch in the vagina in order to make it tighter for the benefit of the husband. But we do know that it heals and goes back to what to it normal. was yeah. after a few weeks. We don't need to correct that. The body knows how to correct itself. Yeah. So this was only 10 years ago, a and, doctor and in St. George. Did you have tearing, like, did you need stitches anyways? I needed one, maybe two. Okay. I, might have, I, I could have had three just, I mean, but very... They, I don't know what we call them, skid mark stretch uh, sure, tears. Sure, sure. So, um, 
Yeah, so I certainly didn't need one of those because I didn't have an episiotomy. I didn't need things really repaired. My body was ready when it yeah. when the baby came out. But he did it anyway. But he did it anyway. And okay. it actually was so far back that it tore the first time I had a bowel <gasps> movement. No. So. And it was unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. Oh, so, gosh. So I... I know that so many people have such good experiences in the hospital and oh, they yeah. have excellent OBs. My experience is unique to me, mm-hmm. but so many women have had similar experiences oh, yeah. and that's not okay. Yeah. It's not okay that that happened. Um, but I, I healed. I re- I recovered. I was yeah. able to go to the bathroom. Everything's okay. <laughs> um, you had two more. I had two more. Yeah. So I had planned to have my second baby at home. And I did a lot more research this time around. So do you have any idea why your body wasn't progressing the first time? I actually don't think I was ready to go into labor. I actually think I had an infection that like maybe a kidney infection or a UTI or something that rather than my body show, you know, you know, it's not like I didn't, I didn't have the symptoms of an infection. My body's response was cramping. because I was pregnant so it's like this is going on but then the first response is well then let's get this baby out because that's something that can happen and I I could be mistaken but I think that's a relatively common way for your body to handle things like infections that late on in pregnancy yes Yes. okay so I think I wasn't actually ready but Mm -hmm. all of my um, urine tests with my midwife um, I, I had had in late in a few weeks before that I had some elevated um like proteins in my urine not Mm. proteins like the uh I don't even know what the what are they called (laughs) I actually don't know either (laughs) but I just remember she had said you have some elevated levels okay and like ketones or whatever indicating a potential infection yes and so and I you know and I I'm prone to like UTI kidney infections things like that And so I had, I had thought, I thought it had been taken care of. And so maybe had I had a second opinion and gone in and had like some blood work done or like a swab, maybe that would have, you know, so at this point I just didn't know and I had gone into labor. So yeah. And now you know better and yeah, whatever. But then my second baby was born 38 weeks in one day and he was a full pound heavier than my first. So he was ready. <laughs> he was ready. So, ready, ready. So who, kn- I don't know. Yeah. Um, but with my first, I really just assumed I'm a shoe in for home birth. Uh-huh. You don't have to do anything. You just have your baby. That's what all my everybody did is how right. you felt yeah. about like, it. Like my but, mom did, my sisters. My everybody. Yeah. So when I was pregnant with my second, I was like, okay, I'm going to do some research and I don't want to push that long. And mm-hmm. of course we know that second babies, you usually don't push that long yeah. than with the first, but yeah, who knows? It felt important anyways. <laughs> so I wasn't going to push that long. I wanted to, I wanted to be at home. I wanted my labor to be shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was 32 hours with my first. So mm. I really wanted a shorter labor and yeah. just a better experience all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the second time around, I started Googling, what can I do to have a better birth than my first? Okay. And Mama Natural popped up. Love it. Love her. She's great. And she had shared the birth of her second baby 
as opposed to her first. And it was funny because her first birth was like mirror to mine. Really? Yes. And then as I was reading her second birth, she talked about re- drinking red raspberry tea. Okay. And so I said to my mom, I'm like, mom, did you know that red raspberry tea is like so good for pregnancy? And she's like, didn't I tell you that when you <gasps> had Hagen? <laughs> I'm like, no, maybe you did, but I didn't listen. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, yeah. I didn't I'm a firm believer that you don't hear the things that you need to hear until you're ready to hear them. Oh yeah. You, you won't. It doesn't matter how many times someone tells you straight to your face, this is what you need to do. If you're not ready for it, you're not going to, it's not going to happen. You're not going to do it. No, it doesn't click into place. You don't hear it. Yeah. So I think that was my problem is I was so, I think I had like hospital birth in the back of my mind with my first. Mm. And then once I had like truly committed and decided I was, I had a strong conviction at that point. Okay. And so I went through my pregnancy. I drank my red raspberry tea faithfully yeah I took my vitamins (laughs) I did yoga I did all the things and I had I didn't have to just think about pregnancy all day every day I had a toddler to take care of too yes that so it was like okay we're just gonna go for it and this time around I packed a hospital bag because I was like okay I didn't have a toothbrush (laughs) I didn't shower for three days after I had I mean it was a whole thing I was very unprepared for my first birth So with my second, um, I went into labor, um, Sunday night at like 11 o'clock and just kind of slowly labored through the day on Monday. And he was born at six o'clock that night. And I remember laying, I had gotten in the tub for a little while and decided that was not what I wanted Mm. because I think I was approaching transition and I got in the tub a little early. Okay. (laughs) So I got out and I remember laying on the bed and I just needed counter pressure on my knees, on my thighs. Like I had somebody pushing on my thighs and mm-hmm. my back and I was laying there and I thought, you know what? I could go and get an epidural. I really could. <gasps> it's only 45 minutes away. And it <laughs> felt so good last time. Once everything yeah. like what worked itself out, it was nice. It was nice to just hang out. Yeah, it did. It felt good. And then I remember in, in the same thought, I was like, you're an idiot. You know, you know that when you're like feeling like this, you're almost done, right? Oh yeah, that's right. And I'm like having this like, conversation oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in like 30 seconds. Yeah, with right. Myself. Exactly. And then my midwife says, okay, do you want me to check you? Is it okay if I check you and see where you're at? And I was like, yeah, I guess. So she checks me and she's like, okay, um, do you want to go, do you want to like have the baby on the bed or do you want to like sit down on the floor and lean up against the couch? And I was like, no, that sounds great. And two or three pushes and he was out. So by the time she checked you, it was, she was I like, was, it's time. Yeah. It's time. I was, I was, <laughs> I knew. And I was telling myself that like, you're an idiot. You're almost done. Yeah. Like you're not going to get in the car and drive for 45 yeah. minutes feeling like this again. Oh my gosh. I need everybody to know that every time you get to the place where you're like, should I give up? Yeah. You're almost there. You're, you're so almost close. there. It's so close. <laughs> so yeah, he was so, so quick. It was amazing. I'm glad he didn't have a car baby on accident. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think anybody would have let me leave because they would sure. they would have been like they known. I would have said I need to go to the hospital they would have been like are you sure you're too why don't you let Lisa check you one yeah, more yeah, time yeah. <laughs> and so yeah I mean seriously at two or three contractions and I remember falling asleep in between my pushing mm-hmm. contractions like I remember everybody saying like oh I think she's asleep 
yeah, she's definitely asleep. And I'm like, I can hear you, but I literally, I can't even twitch like my I'm eyebrow. I'm basically asleep. <laughs> You're so zoned out at that point. Yeah. It's, it's a blessing, I think, to be able to, your body just allows you to relax that deeply in between. Mm-hmm. It knows what it's doing. It I'm knows totally. you need a break and it gives you a little break. Totally. So I had, so that labor was about 16 hours still a long labor. I mean, my little sister had a baby in November and she was 16 hours. and was the first baby. Okay. But I have long labors. I, you know, I call, I I have marathon labors and it's okay. My husband always says that it's my clients that have long labors are my payback (laughs) for mine, (laughs) which is probably true. So I'm like, I'll have to repay this debt somehow and I'm happy to do it. So, And then my third, um, he was actually my longest pregnancy. I was 39 weeks in one day with him. And I actually thought something was wrong with me. I am like, that that probably felt so incredibly long. And so you're still long. not even technically like full, full time. I know. I feel so bad when I had a client just a few weeks ago and she was one day shy of 42 weeks. Oh. And I'm like... I, I, I feel for you. I understand being so tired at the end of pregnancy, but I never even made it to my due date. So I actually can't even, I I mean, I have all the empathy in the world, but I I can't even relate to it because I never even went to my due date. Yeah. So, but I did feel like I was broken. Like I remember waking up and every morning after 38 and two, I was like, baby's never going to come out. Yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah. So every day feels so long. Like, yeah. Is it going to happen? Yeah. I had actually taken my kids to a little field trip, um, with my son's preschool the day before I went into labor. And a friend of mine was like, well, you haven't even dropped yet. That you're like weeks out from having that baby. Did you and, just want to break down and cry well, right was, then and there? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> it's already hard enough. And then I woke up at probably 4am mm. and I was like, oh, maybe this is it. And I did have prodromal labor with this pregnancy for like two straight weeks. So every single morning, I think that's what made it harder for me. Thinking my body was broken is because I thought I would be in labor. And it seemed like they were, you know, like intensifying even for three or four hours. And I'd get everybody notified. And then I'm like, I'm going to try and go back to sleep. And then they'd stop. Over and over again, he thought it was happening and it wasn't. Yeah. I I had a client like that. And that's that's frustrating. But there are there are was your labor shorter no actually that one was 18 hours really <laughs> yeah, so it was a little bit longer but what was interesting about that third labor is it really got really picked up at like 1 p.m in the afternoon so we had gone to lunch I had had my nails done that day <laughs> nice um and we're sitting there and I ordered like sriracha chicken bites because yeah. I'm like well I'll get those spicy yeah. food kick that baby out. Well, it did work for me. <laughs> I remember sitting there and I was like, realized I was breathing through them. And my sister-in-law staring at me. She's like, yeah, she's having to focus on this one. This is it. And I'm like, oh, finally. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, through the afternoon, I actually was having contractions like every 20 minutes, but they were like five minutes long. 
Whoa. And I've never heard of anybody else. And if, of course, we always see the things that are like, your body can do anything for 60 seconds and you're, you're yeah. never going to, yeah. yeah. you're, you're yeah. never going to have a contraction more than like a 90 seconds. <laughs> well, I think my body knew what it was doing because I had really long breaks. I mean, it was, it was 15 yeah. to 20 minutes in between. Okay. And they were between three to five minutes long and not like on your hands and knees, you can't do anything. But yeah. I just sat on my ball and just kind of swayed and breathed through them. And I kept telling my mom, I'm like, I don't think I can do these ones. If this is how it's going to be, this is too much. Mm -hmm. They're too long. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be sitting there and I'm like, well, how long has it been since I had one? I, you know, and then it was clockwork okay. for probably three hours. And my mom gave me, uh, what are they called? Um, they're like the homeopathic pastilles. Oh, box remedies. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. she gave me some of those. She's like, just take it in, yeah. just breathe. And then it really picked up and he was born at 8 PM that night. So okay. it was a kind of a, kind of crazy. It wasn't like it was, it was just different. It mm -hmm. was, it was not a labor pattern that I'd ever read about or understood. Mm -hmm. And even still, I've never heard of anybody else having that. I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. It's just different. Um, but again, these are variations of normal, right? Exactly. And that's important to, to recognize that there are variations to what's considered normal yeah. and everything was textbook. I never, none of my other kids had their cord around their neck, just my first. Mm -hmm. Um, but everything was good with all of them. They were all great. And I'll tell you something, my home births, there is a, it's next level from a hospital birth. It's so healing. It was so healing for me that I can't even, I can't even put into words the euphoria that is what my home births were, mm. truthfully. Why? I think because there's, there's not pressure when you're in a home birth. There's not pressure to perform. Mm. You're not having somebody that's asking you all these questions that are nonstop you don't have somebody who's like, well, if you're not at this point, by the time this deadline hits, then we're going to have to do something else. So your focus isn't drawn away of how to make yourself perform to reach this deadline set up by somebody else. Mm. And especially when things are just taking their time, mm -hmm. we can't, you can't, you can speed up birth. Right. Yeah, you can. You can speed up labor. But sometimes should we? I don't that know. That is the question to ask. I don't know. I guess it depends. My second my second and third births were very long mm -hmm. for a lot of standards. Mm -hmm. Especially uh, for being your second and third. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's right. just how my body performs. Yeah. But they were half as long than my first. Yeah. But still healthy. There were no issues. You know, we everything was just perfect. But what about the recovery difference between all of them? So I from with my first, I wasn't because of the stitch, also because I wasn't given stool softeners when I left the hospital. I wasn't told anything. My family kind of took a step back because it was a hospital delivery. So they didn't know what advice to give me that sure. they would have normally given someone, you know, in a more comfortable 
mm-hmm. for them, a home birth situation. Um, so I didn't have like prune juice or anything and I just didn't know. And then I was, had a lot of other things going on postpartum, um, with breastfeeding with my first, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I had my first bowel movement for almost six days. Mm. And when I did, it was like, obviously a tourist Did you know that you should be concerned or you just had no idea? Oh, I had like asked and they were like, well, yeah, but you had an epidural. So maybe it takes some time. Which is true, but. Yeah. And, but all the more reason I should have had a bowel movement sooner was to get that out of my system. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, when you don't know, you don't know. Exactly. And I know now. And so I encourage that now and I make sure I tell everybody, but the hospital should have sent me home with something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just kind of felt like I got kind of missed. Um, and I and do. And maybe because you didn't have your OB. Right. Because that wasn't, you weren't, you were the weird hospital or the weird home birth gal that came in for a transfer. We had a of, failed home birth come yeah. in tonight. We had yeah. a failed home birth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So in, in relation to let's get into the breastfeeding then, um, let's hear it. Let's hear your breastfeeding stories and what it was like, I guess, starting with your first. So with my first, once he was born, um, I was having a hard time getting him to latch because I had an inverted nipple and a flat nipple. Okay. I'm so glad that we're going to hear the story right now. <laughs> so, cause that's hard. And, and I have, I have, I know, I know people who have been in the same situation. So I'm so excited mm-hmm. to hear how you have been able to get through that. Yes. So, um, I don't remember which side was which because they're actually okay now because of breastfeeding. So it actually corrected with wow. breastfeeding. Okay. Um, and I didn't, have any issues after my first with those with the inverted or the flat nipple issue okay so he had a hard time latching because there wasn't really anything to latch on to um I especially remember the left being worse and um I do think that he actually did have a tongue or lip tie which has never been revised but he's been fine yeah with everything else so I think there was like a combination of things with him being able to latch with my anatomy and him being able to latch. Um, And so I thought he was latching and I thought that he was getting plenty of, of colostrum. Um, And he seemed to be, he had wet diapers and everything was, was great. So I never saw a lactation consultant in the hospital because my son was born on the 4th of July and so no one was there. Oh my there. gosh. And so then, so that was a Thursday. So Friday. Like, could not have gotten like a weirder situation for you between all of the things that oh my happened. Gosh. It was like. I, well, I'm I, sure I was, it could have gotten weirder, but like, that's a lot of stuff. I was like the lady that just got like slipped between the cracks. Like, oh, she's sure. a home birther. We don't even, eh, it's fine. Sure. She can just go home and deal with her hippie people or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the, what the attitude was with it. Um, But. So I didn't really have anybody that was helping me to figure out a latch. Um, so I, I just kind of figured it was going. Yeah. 
and it was yeah, okay. It, there's yeah, no diapers. I, yeah. And I didn't know any different either. You know, I'd never had a baby before, so I didn't really know. And I hadn't talked a lot about, uh, experiences that my sisters or my mom had had. Mm, okay. Um, so we get home and I'm continuing to nurse and I actually started noticing that there was like a little bit of like a chalky mm. substance in my son's diaper. Yeah. Like it wasn't pee. That, so he was severely dehydrated. Oh my It was gosh. actually solid matter that he was, I don't even know what, yeah. cal- calcium deposit, something. Okay. Um, and then I realized that his soft spot was sunken in. Oh and like, I was like, okay, I don't, okay, what this is, this seems abnormal. So I started Googling it. Yeah. And like, of course it was like, yeah, your baby's dehydrated. Okay. So, um, I remember taking him in within about a week to his well baby visit. Uh-huh. And the pediatrician was like, well, he's lost 15 ounces. So he was only six twelve when he was born. Oh. So he was like five fifteen. That's teeny, 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 tiny. teeny. And he's like, well, it's totally normal for a baby to lose a pound in the first week. Mm. While it may be common, yeah. it is not normal yeah. for babies to lose that much because there's something else going on. And there was. And there was. And to be fair, I probably I was on IV anab- or at IV antibiotics, IV fluids. So his birth weight was probably inflated as it was. Oh, okay. A little sure. bit. So you do lose a little bit when you have IV yeah. uh, fluids during birth. Yeah. Um, so maybe he didn't actually lose that much of like actual Body weight. weight. Sure. But he had lost he had lost a lot. Yeah, that's significant. So we Went home. I tried pumping and my milk had come in in this week. Okay. So it did come in. I pumped. I was super engorged. I had all of this telltale signs of your milk coming in. Yeah. And then I pumped to try and help balance it. Yeah. And then it would like, I like dried up. Whoa. There was nothing, no milk whatsoever. I tried pumping and I got less than an eyedropper full <gasps> between both breasts. Oh my gosh. So when that happened, I was obviously devastated because yeah the one thing after having a baby that I should be able to do is feed that baby with my body that was what I planned and I was not able to do that so we started him on some formula Mm -hmm. um and I started pumping around the clock like yeah Every power two pumping. hours, <laughs> every two hours. And then I, I didn't actually power pump. I didn't realize oh, that was sure. a thing yet, but I learned in your later, own way. You yeah, power, I, I mean, was like power, pumping all of the time. Yeah, Every two hours I would offer him the breast. He wouldn't latch because he couldn't because my nipples you were couldn't. messed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I gradually started, um, like I was taking herbal supplements, I was drinking like a gallon of water a day. Um, I was trying to do all the things to make sure that he was getting breast milk. So he was formula fed basically for like the first six weeks. Okay. Um, I would say it was like a ratio of like, he would have like one bottle of breast milk to every three formula. That's Mm. how little milk that I had. Um, But I kept... Working on it. Where are you at emotionally right now? Really devastated. Okay. Really devastated. Like, 
I was exhausted because I was getting up through the night every two hours too. And you do when you have a brand new baby, you know, you kind of don't yeah. sleep anyway. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you're kind of already. So, but like it was even less than that. And then I would feel all shamed, like ashamed Aww. of myself if I slept for four hours and didn't and missed a pumping, Aww. you know, because I was so determined because, you know, obviously the more you pump, the more you put baby to breast, the more milk you're going to make. Yeah. You know, it's supply and demand. Yeah. So I knew that that's what I had to do, but I was also exhausted. Yeah. I also had this baby that was crying and then he started being like really fussy and my breast hurt so bad every time he would latch. And when I was pumping, I started noticing that there was like blood in the milk. Oh gosh. And before too long, um, my mom, I remember her cause she was like staying with me at this time, mm -hmm. like helping me just get helping. up at night, helping feed the baby so that I could pump yeah. burping him, you know, just holding him so I could sleep. Just, she was really, really helpful at this time. Mm. Like she was just absolutely amazing. Such yeah. a supportive, wonderful person. Um, and so I started noticing the bleeding and I was like, okay, I have blood in my milk. Well, then I realized on my left nipple, my, it was like actually starting to like detach from the areola. What? Because I had thrush so bad. <gasps> so bad so Shut this was mouth. like within the first three what? weeks it was so bad so emily I, what i know it was it was okay. i mean like horror movie so oh my gosh I know. plot so twist how, yeah <laughs> so how long had you had thrush before like did you have it and you didn't realize? i didn't know that that's what it was is i just thought it hurt dried up, to, you think i think my milk dried up because that is a symptom or i'm sorry that is a side effect of epidurals so an epidural can cause your, it can, you yeah. can have milk come in. You, you may dry up completely and never have a letdown ever. Have, it will never come in or it will do like I had happen where your milk actually comes in and then within two or three days, it just is gone. And then you can get it back, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And that's why I think a lot of moms today and maybe in the last 15, 20 years, you hear this story like, well, my mom couldn't breastfeed. Mm -hmm. Well, my mom didn't have any milk or my mom had this. It might have been the medication she had during labor. I'm just saying this it's is something my to experience. Consider. It is a side effect. Yeah. It is listed. It is not something that while we're in the throes of labor that we are considering when we decide we need the relief. Yeah. So. I can't say this for everybody. <laughs> this was my it, experience. It, the fact is that we should s consider and talk about the fact that that happens. Yeah. And like you're saying, right in the right in the throes of labor, when you're like, give me the epidural, okay. that is not the right time to be like, okay, but just so you know, you could have high blood pressure from it. You can have or low your blood pressure. Low blood pressure mm -hmm. from it. You can have your milk dry up. Like the that's not the time to talk about those mm. things and so that's not when it's discussed but if you don't ask about those things like well but way how many on they don't tell you either and how many people are coming back to the anesthesiologist and saying hey by the way i had my milk come in but it didn't could that have been my epidural no it's just my body there's something wrong mm -hmm. with my body that's what women think mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And they think I just can't do this. Well, and like you said, you're feeling devastated. And, and in that state of mind, you're not thinking about what the underlying root cause could have been. You're just feeling devastated. Mm-hmm. You're, you're feeling, I should be able to do this. You're feeling like you're letting yourself down, like your, your body's letting you down. And that's why these stories are so important to share so that people know before they get to that state of devastation, they can just problem solve. Okay. What's going on? My milk's drying up. What can we do about it? Right. Well, so let's hear about what you did about your crazy situation. So again, the thrush though, that was the IV antibiotics. So remember and the, the, again, side effect of antibiotics is yeast overgrowth. Thrush is yeast. So, and then of course you're in a very warm, sweet mm-hmm. environment. Um, tons of sugar in mm-hmm. breast milk, right? So this bacteria or this yeast yeah. is thriving in this environment where I'm constantly pumping, constantly nursing. Um, and so I was like, mom, what is going on? And she, so she was like, well, and of course my baby was super fussy too. Yeah. So we started looking at him a little closer. He had white around his inside of his lips, across both his gums, top and bottom, across the top of his mouth, down his throat, on his tongue, completely missed by the pediatrician in the early stages. It should have, it would have been caught in that first week, but you know, here we are. And so I was like, mom, what am I going to do? And I'm a very holistic person. Yeah. A, a, uh, p- prescription for some, like a yeast something sure. wasn't in the cards for me. It wasn't something that I even actually knew about yeah, at sure. this time in my life. I was 21, um, fairly uneducated. Sure. I didn't know what to do. So my mom was like, okay, let's let's get a treatment plan in order. So I actually started taking raw garlic. Okay. Like a mad woman. Yeah. Um, and I did capsules. Such a superhero. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We'd have to do story for another time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The garlic episode. (laughs) We live on raw garlic around my house. So, uh, raw garlic. Um, and then I actually started taking capsules of with, and I, I don't recommend people take essential oils internally it can cause complications. Sure. But in this case, I was treating a very severe acute infection. Yeah. So I was taking cinnamon bark, sorry, cinnamon leaf oil, essential oil, tea tree essential oil, eucalyptus essential oil, um, clear that sucker out of there. Rosemary. All of these are very antifungal. Yeah. So I started, um, I would do a, a veggie cap. Uh huh. And I would do um, olive oil and then a drop or two of each of these. And I did that like three times a day. And I'm not kidding. Within seven to 10 days, it was completely gone. Oh, that's so good. Completely gone. And what's amazing is my milk started like really coming back. Wow. So my nipple was able to heal up. It was terrifying it was so horrific and I did I didn't look it just hurt it just hurt to put him on it hurt to pump you know and like we know that a baby with a bad latch causes more nipple pain than yeah. it should be there but a baby yeah. with a bad latch and thrush is I mean 
I can like feel it in my toes talking yeah. about it. Like yeah. the Sends pain a shiver is down so, your spine yeah. still. <laughs> it, it, if you've ever had thrush like that, and I actually, one of my cousins actually had a baby. Um, he's, her baby's four now, but she came over one day and was like, uh, her baby was not even two weeks old. And she's like, I don't know what to do. It hurts really bad to nurse. And so I started talking to her up. I'm like, you have thrush. Yeah. That's what's wrong. So she got on a protocol, got it cleared up. So, That's so good. it's another ex- thing that I'm like, don't, don't overlook that. Yeah. Because thrush is, it's not good for your baby. It's not good for you. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are like, oh, there's like a white film on my baby's tongue and it's just milk. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. Okay. And I think that, and pediatricians say like, oh, it's just a milk film, but it actually might be some thrush. And especially with breastfeeding, actually, even with formula feeding, your baby can still get thrush sure. and they should be treated because it does affect their digestive system too. Yeah. So, so <laughs> that was my first experience. It was. So let me ask you though, with the, with the inverted and the flat nipple, did you, did you do anything special? Did you get any help or did you just sort of power through it? I just powered through it. I okay. didn't know there was help to get oh. until my second baby okay. when my sister-in-law got a nipple shield mm-hmm. from the lactation consultant at the hospital. I wish so bad as she was using it. I was thinking, why didn't somebody tell me? Yeah. Why didn't it? And I didn't have anybody. Yeah. I didn't know about it. ET. I, I saw the free to feed Facebook group. I remember way back. And I was like, but it was like several months later, once my breastfeeding journey had like been very well established. Okay. Um, and so I just, so once we got through the thrush, I didn't finish telling you this. So once I got through the thrush, um, I was, he was almost six weeks old and I remember waking up one morning and I was super full. Like my milk had come in that, like, you know, I had a letdown in the night Yeah. and I was like, okay, dude, either you're going to latch and because I'm not going to keep pumping all through the night to try yeah. and figure this out. I'm, I'm done with this. So either you're going to latch or I'm drying up, which I'd yeah. already worked so hard to get my milk back. It was like a very <laughs> exhausted morning thought. Yeah. 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 And so I went and sat in my chair and I put my baby to my breast and he latched like he'd nursed Whoa. the whole time. And I was like, where have you been, dude? Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot. He had a dream. He figured it out. Something happened. <laughs> it was the, by the grace of God, I guess, because he just latched right on and he was a champ. And it wow. took, it took a couple of feedings. It was probably another week before my milk really caught back up to what he actually needed okay. because he'd had the formula. Um, and then he breastfed for 15 months. Wow. So it was a very successful journey, but it but was went not easy. Lot. Yeah, it was hard, but it's hard. And without, and I saw a post on Instagram the other day and it said breastfeeding is 10% milk supply and 90% dedication. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I was like almost crying as I read it. I was like, you're right. It is. It really yeah. is. It, it doesn't, it's not, it's not easy. No, it's not a walk in the park. Some women don't have very many struggles, but like me, I, it was hard. Yeah. It was so hard, especially you know, with, yeah, there might've been a whole slew of events that led up to it, but it wasn't easy regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was still hard. Yeah. We we're getting a uh, Brie with nursing babies in next week to talk about some like reasons why, why you might want to fight for, for breastfeeding. Um, because a lot of the time when you hear stories like this, I, I think a lot of people are like, 
why wouldn't you just do formula? And everybody's going to have their own reasons for that. And we're going to talk about some of the reasons why you might not want to, but why did you have such a strong desire to fight so hard for this? I think it's because my birth plan had changed so much. Like I wanted my home birth and I didn't get it because it it felt like I didn't have any control. Like my body was broken. And so I didn't have a choice, but to go to the hospital and get an epidural to be able to have the break. And so when my, you know, and then I was, you know, not threatened with a C-section, but like it was presented as the next thing if my body didn't cooperate. Yeah. And then it did. And so that was okay. But by the time I got to this point, it was like, okay, what else do I not get to have control over? Mm, And I felt like it was something I did have control over. Yeah. And I felt like it was important. Like it's important for your baby to have breast milk. For me, that was, that's why our bodies make milk, right? You know, like if, if it wasn't, if they didn't need it, we wouldn't have it. And so my thought process was just, I just, I want to do something for him because the rest of it was taken away from me. Yeah. And so I was able to get that back. Yeah. So, and I did almost give up right at the end too. You know, I I almost gave up a lot of the time because I was like, dude, I can't do this. I can't. That's the thing though, is, is once you, you're, you do fight for it and everybody fights for it at some point. Sometimes people fight for it multiple times throughout their journey, but it is something that you kind of have to choose to fight for. There, there will be some, being arise like some people have a really easy time with it but it seems a really common experience that at least at one point during a breastfeeding journey you have to consider oh my gosh this is so hard am I really going to do this am I really going to fight for this and then once you do it's it's rewarding it was it was rewarding and it was like that dedication and it really showed me that I'm made of something more yeah because you can't I don't know. There's just, there's so many things in this world and it's really easy. It's not easy to give up, but it's a choice. Uh, it's it, you can it's just, easy to give up these it days. Is. You can just stop. Yeah. You don't have to keep going. And when I kept going, I was like, okay, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can do hard things. And I think keeping breastfeeding was what set me up for my successful home births. Cool. Um, doing hard things is powerful. Right. And if you don't know, you don't know. But like, if you also, if you don't know, try it out, do yeah. something hard because it's amazing how much it can change you. Oh, absolutely. It really shows you what you're made of. Yeah. Um, but you asked about the flattened inverted nipples. Yes. So they just 
they just like self-corrected with, with breastfeeding. And I think what it did is it trained the tissues to kind of just, it pulled them outward. And I've, I've read a lot about it and not recently. I haven't read that much about it recently, but at the time I remember reading a few things and it was like, if you can really establish the breastfeeding, then a lot of it will just correct. And sometimes it does go like revert, Sure, but usually if you've been able to train that tissue, it will stay and mine did. So I don't have any issues. The one is still a tiny bit flat, which I think is the one that, and after three babies is still a little struggling, but I think that you always have one side that's kind of temperamental anyway. Yeah, sure. So luckily in my case, and I think a lot of women hear that like, oh, if you have flat or inverted nipples, you can't breastfeed. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can. Yeah. You have to fight for it. Yep. But also I'm, I'm, it's crazy. I'm so glad that you were able to figure it out, especially since you didn't know that there was help available. But like, I don't think that we talked about this when Aditi was in, but she has a good track record for helping people with flattened and inverted nipples, being able to solve that and get through it. Yes. So there's and I help you guys. There's help. There's so much help. And I think that's the problem that we have today. I mean, we don't have that problem. I mean, when I was having my babies, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't have it like we do today. It's not like you can just start searching on Instagram and you can find people close to you with this information. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, it just wasn't as easily accessible sure. only 10 years ago. Sure. Today, I'm like, man, there is an answer for everything and you <laughs> should not have to struggle because yeah. it's a click away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so important about our birth village community mm-hmm. is that there is somebody for everyone, for every experience that you're having. There is an answer. There is a, a at least some guidance to help you. And if you can't, if they don't know, they're going to find out for you. Yeah. And they're going to, yeah. they're going to get you in touch with somebody who does know. And if that person doesn't know, they're going to find out yeah. for you, you know, it, that's the nature of the people that are in, not just our community, but in birth work, I think is the desire to help and yes. the desire to help you figure it out regardless of the cost, regardless of how many people they have to go through to figure out the answer for you. If they themselves don't know, like reach out to a birth worker because they want to help you. Yeah. Well, and they've probably had a client that this has happened Mm -hmm. to, or it happened to them, Mm -hmm. or they just know of somebody because of all of the people that they talk to, because it's all related. Yeah. So you will find an answer. I mean, we, there's like nothing that I've been presented with that I haven't been able to be like, Hey, here's a little bit of something. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, here's a start. And then I'll follow up and see what else we can figure out. Yeah. So with my second and third, they were really uneventful. Um, <laughs> truthfully. As far as breastfeeding goes. As far, yeah, because they just, sure. it was like perfect. Like my second, he just like latched on and then he wouldn't stop. He was 20 <laughs> months. He was almost 20. Well, he was 20 months when I weaned him because he was waking me up every like 30 minutes in the night. No. And I was like, you are not a brand new baby. You're done. <laughs> You're like... <laughs> He was like so rolly, like just a little chunk and like so good. Yeah. I actually had so much milk with him that I was donating it to the Rocky Mountain oh, Children's Foundation awesome. to like the milk bank. Yeah. Um, I think I donated like a thousand ounces or something Whoa. like over 18 months. It That's was amazing. Well, you were pro at pumping at I that was, like, point. So good at first. it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So his was, it was like night and day. And okay. I think that truthfully, his birth was 
so different, less traumatic, mm. peaceful. It was actually healing yeah. my body and to my soul. Sure. And I was able to, my body was just able to physiologically do what it needed to do because sure. there was no intervention. Sure. Um, and then my third, of course, was just kind of, again, not, Same re- thing. not really eventful. He, he maybe struggled a tiny bit, but he's also just an itty bitty thing as it is. So sure. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> but breastfeeding was good and they were hard to wean. Those two yeah. were really hard to wean because it was like a perfect symphony yeah. with them. So, wow, Emily, what a journey. So I, okay, this has been so great. What advice would you give to someone who is struggling with, with breastfeeding? Um, you're not alone. There are so many people out there that can help you. So reach out to a doula. A DT is amazing. Reach out to her. If you can't, um, Brie is amazing too. I mean, there's, we have so many options and you don't have to do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. Your body was made to do this and it can do this. It just, you just need some help Mm -hmm. and it's okay to get that help. So ask for it. And a lot of times, you know, I know a lot of times, like for me, I think part of my problem was I like cost was an issue today. I'm like, why didn't I just spend the money? Why didn't I just figure it out and like ask somebody, Hey, I need some help with this. Can you, you know, so I mean like cost cost of getting help. Yes. Sure. You know, like is the, how much is the consultation? I don't have very much money. A lot of times people are willing to just help you, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I, I don't, nobody should ever give their services for free, you know, but also there are people talk to your friends and family and say, Hey, I'm really struggling with this and it's important to me. Can I borrow some money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or see if they do a payment plan Absolutely. or yeah, just borrow. I mean, thinking of the difference in cost between getting that, that one or two, however many visits from your lactation specialist versus paying for formula is, um, I mean, what really do you have more I was for. I was one broke broad when I was <laughs> breastfeeding my first and that formula it was like $22 for the container and it didn't that's last 10 for, years ago that was, I know I don't even know I, could, I haven't even checked the prices now and like if it's available I don't even know if there's still shortages I mean there's just so many things and so ask for help just yeah. ask for reach out and just find out what information you can get, but you do not have to do it alone. And I will freely give all of the information that I can and my tips and tricks to anybody who reaches yeah. out to me, like yeah. whatever you need. Wow. So my advice is don't try to do it alone. Cause you don't have to. Yeah. I love that advice. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for sharing your breastfeeding story with us. We have a little bit of time left and I would just like to hear a little bit more about you as a doula before we close things out. So tell me why you decided to become a doula. So the first time that I realized um, that I could actually be helpful to somebody else in birth was when I was pregnant with my third baby and my sister-in-law was having her second. She was having her daughter and she wanted to try doing it unmedicated at the hospital. And so she was like, I don't know, like, I guess if I get an epidural, it's okay, but I really want to just, like, I really want to try it. And I'm like, great, I can help you if you want. Yeah. And so she was like, sure. So I came to her birth and I was actually pregnant with, yeah, my third. And so I was, I think he was born three weeks later. So okay. very pregnant at this point. 
Well, and you'd had your home birth already. So I had, had one, some yes. experience. Yes. And, okay. And so I, and like, I knew what the support that I had at my births. And so I was like, I can do this for you. Sure. Like, I get it. And so, um, I helped with, um, doing counter pressure in her knees and I showed her husband what to do. And like, I just talked to her and I remember, um, she was getting close to like needing to push and she did unmedicated. Like it was so, it was so awesome to watch her in that. And I remember her kind of like, she was like laying back in the bed, kind of propped up sort of in like the throne position. And she like looked up at me wide eyed and was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm like, you already are. You are doing this. Like you are absolutely doing this. Like you already did. Yeah. Like you're, you're here. And I think her baby was born within five minutes of that. Like we said, <laughs> just like it's that. always that point. And she was like, oh my gosh. And she had made a comment to me while we were there. And she said, I just kept looking at you and you were just smiling at me. And I knew that I could do it because you were, you were helping me. And like, like I just kept going because you were right there smiling at me and that's all she like you kept smiling at me and that's like what got me through it and I was like really okay and I was so happy to have been that focus for her and to get her through that so that was the first time I was like okay I really maybe I do have something to offer here yeah and so then I had my third and I really wanted to start like I wanted to be a doula, but I didn't know where to go. And then I was like, I'm not going to go do Dona yet. Like, yeah. I don't know. And is there really that much of a like need for doulas? Sure. And then within two and a half years, I got trained with Trish because it just never stopped calling me like mm. everything. I kept seeing things with birth and I'm like, this is not, you know, like, yes, this happens to people, but that's not how it should happen. You know? Sure. And I just, I want to share with women that there's another way. And I'm not advocating that somebody doesn't have an epidural. Like that's what you need. That's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I had one. I understand. Yeah. But if you can have an empowering experience, whether it's a cesarean birth or you have an epidural birth or you have an unmedicated birth or you have a home birth, you just need to feel empowered by the people around you. You shouldn't feel pressured because your mom only could have a C-section. You probably can have a vaginal birth, but you if you don't have somebody who's advocating with you along the way saying, Hey, I believe in you. Yeah. How can you do anything? Right. You know, if you're all by yourself thinking, well, I kind of want to do something different or, you know, and so I wanted to be a doula so that I can help women achieve what their goals are and have support when they might not have it anywhere else. Yeah. I have six sisters I have a mom, I have aunts and cousins who've all had home births. And so they're really good at home birth yeah. and they're really supportive and they're really calm. And if you've never been to a home birth, they're really quiet. Yeah. And they're really, um, oh my gosh, I, I don't even calm. They're it's just like, like, cal like the, the amount of it's serene. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's just, you can't even you could hear a pin drop. At oh, you for sure could. Births. It's just, 
there's nothing. And you walk in to the house, not even the room that it's oh, happening yeah. in, but you walk into the house, it's in the air. Yeah. And you just, and it's like, and some people maybe think that's weird. I don't know. I don't think it's weird. I think it's so nice. And Peaceful. I've walked into hospital births that feel like that. And I'm like, oh, this feels so nice. Yeah. You know? Like it's walking into a spa. Like, yes, it's like that, just that quiet solitude. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Solitude is the right word, but, <laughs> but I just wanted to be the support for somebody else that I had from my family, my mom and my sisters, where they support you in every step of the way. Yeah. And they're right there and they just, they just look at you and they smile at you and they tell you you're doing so good you are so wonderful and you've got this I just I mean so many people they don't have somebody like that you know right. and that's why they do hire a doula yeah, they don't have six sisters and a mom who, no, knows. And who yeah who are who are just on board with every every little bit of their plan you yeah. know yeah because sometimes even somebody's spouse might not be on board with what yeah. their birth plan is and that's a really hard thing to you know, to do. Mm -hmm. So hire a doula because yeah. she's going to be on board with you. Yeah. Like she's, she's going to support you in whatever you want, girl. Your hype girl <laughs> yeah. all the way through. Yeah. And after. And after all yeah. the way. So yeah, I wanted to be a doula because I love moms. Yeah. I love watching babies be born and I like love the whole experience, but I want moms to feel the way I felt after I had my babies and more often than not, that's the response I've gotten is I can't, you know, and you see that I can't believe I did that. Mm -hmm. And I knew that they could do it. Yeah. But my favorite part is seeing that they, they accomplished what their goal was, even though in the back of their mind somewhere they were like, can I really do it? Right. And then they do. And they're like, what? Yeah. How, how did that happen? That's it's the like, best part. It is, it's so amazing. It's so, and it's like, I like laugh every time because these moms do this and I'm like, yes, I there told it you. is. I told <laughs> you, you. I believed in you this whole time and yes. you believe in you now, yes. you know? So. Oh, awesome, Emily. I, I, uh, I love that. I love your reasons for being a doula and it's amazing that you're able to provide what you had to people who don't have that and don't have access to that and don't have that kind of support it's really important that we're able to give that to people so i guess thank you for being a doula because we need you and thank you for sharing your story with us today yes thank you for having me it was an honor um to our listeners if you can think of somebody who could benefit from this and in fact i'm sure that you can think of at least one person who would benefit from hearing emily's story uh please share it with them because we want to make sure that everybody knows that there's support out there for them not just in birth but in breastfeeding and in everything so make sure to share this message uh if you are feeling generous we would love it if you left us a rating or a review you can reach out to us or follow us at the birth village podcast on instagram we would love to hear from you if you wanted to send us a voice memo dm we just love hearing your voices but obviously if you're not comfortable with that just send us a regular dm too or you can send us a voicemail at 424-444-1BVP or 
444-1287. We would love to hear from you. And yeah, with all of that said, we would love to leave you with the reminder that empowered women empower women. <laughs>